Throughout my teenage years, I often wondered, will I ever have a boyfriend? And then it finally happened. And then in my 20s, I wondered, will I ever find someone to share my life with? And then it finally happened. And then after that, I wondered, will I ever get to be a parent? And then it finally happened. During those times, other things also happened, rejections, losses, false starts, failures. But there's something so amazing about experiencing that thing that you've dreamed about, that other people do, that you see on TV, and then one day it's actually happening in your actual life. And so up until about a year ago, I thought that I was basically done with all of these, is this actually happening in my actual life moments. Uh, and at that point, we had a really wonderful little family. It was me, my husband, Jason, and our daughter, Sarah, this three-person family. And it was beautiful. It was way more than enough. But there was always this piece inside of me that was wondering, is there something more? And it wasn't about uh, Sarah being an only child. It, it was more about the fact that on holidays especially, it became very clear that Sarah was the only kid in her entire generation in our family. So we had solo Easter egg hunts. Christmas was a lot of adults watching her open Christmas presents. And I wondered, how are we going to keep expanding the circle of our family, of those whose lives are intertwined with ours, those people who we know as our own. How are we going to keep expanding our family in all those ways, the different ways that we come into relationship with our kin? And this was a question of sacred creativity. And there was one holiday every year that was different, and it's when we would fly out to Colorado for Thanksgiving and get together with family on my husband's side of the family. Particularly, it's the extended family of my father-in-law, Steve. And we'd go out to Trinidad, Colorado, and on one day of the year, my daughter would run with all of her very far-removed cousins her age around a farmyard for a day, and it was awesome. And so, actually, last weekend I was out of town because my parents-in-law, these same family members, uh, moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, and we went out to visit them. And we went out to visit them with one more family member in our own nuclear family. Uh, we had a baby in November, so now there's four of us, uh, including now our son, Micah. But I still had that question about the building of the larger family. And we went out to Fort Collins, we visited our in, my in-laws, who were having a 70th birthday party, and I saw Sarah again running with these same kids. And I realized, oh my gosh, it just happened. This new generation in our family just clicked into place. Because now that Steve and Nancy live in Fort Collins, every time we go visit Nana and Grandpa, my kids are gonna play with those kids and I'm gonna socialize and get to know with and deepen relationships with their parents and the parents of the people my age, this next generation is happening. It's actually happening in my actual life. It's like puzzle pieces coming together. And um, this creativity 
this experience of newness that feels good and right coming into the world, this is actually what I know about God. The God I know is the energy of life-giving creativity and change. It's that generative energy that turns the cycles of life, that brings love into the world, that reminds us that we really are one and connected. This is the force that we co-create life together with. And the God I know is always beckoning us toward the good and showing us our true connectedness and wholeness. And the thing is, that creative connection happened at that birthday party last weekend. Not because we said yes to an invitation, and not even because we'd gone to some thanksgivings over the last six years, but it was because the invitation had been set up a long time ago by the ancestors. And so I wanna just invite you in just for a moment into a little slice of Tenbrink family history. My father-in-law, Steve, grew up in a family of five kids born within six years to a mother who was chronically ill and in a family where the father was absent. And so these five kids lived with Steve, Steve and his four siblings lived with his mom and his grandma in a little house in Denver, Colorado. And all the time throughout the year, their other family members who lived way out in Trinidad, Aunt Kay, Uncle Buck, and their three kids would come for holidays, would come to spend the summer. Uncle Buck would somehow take these eight kids with his one car camping. Steve still doesn't know how they actually did that. And they shared love together. They kept widening the circle of this family. They kept saying yes to um, to doing these connections together, showing up for each other, even when they weren't sure what they were really creating together. And so all those years, those practices of reinforcing family bonds over long road trips, through good times and bad, just showing up for each other, being loyal and open-hearted, that was a gift that got passed along to us. That's what was unlocking. And so I'm sharing this this morning because I actually know another community with life-giving foundational patterns, with a gift to receive, and it is us. Because we are built on the foundations of universe, universalism, which is a tradition that keeps, has kept this wide embrace over the centuries. In this church for over 150 years, we are keepers of a radically inclusive theology that invites in creativity, invites in everyone, exposes false barriers. And even if you weren't born into this tradition, if it's not your family of origin, you are so welcome here. And that's our practice together, to choose to be something, part of something larger than ourselves and to constantly be expanding its embrace. And this community is one of the most open-hearted places I've ever been a part of. We have so much love to give. We have so much energy for community building. We are compelled to see and name the wrongs in the world, 
and we are ready to incarnate that inclusive universalist dream. And sometimes we nail it, but sometimes, somehow we just miss the mark. And it's like we can see this vision of a profoundly inclusive community that feels so warm and close, but something is missing. We just can't quite seem to slide into it. Something is awkward. Something is keeping our puzzle pieces from fitting together. And this is what I think happens to us oftentimes. I think that our cultural inheritance crowds out our theological inheritance. As a congregation, as a Unitarian Universalist movement, we can't totally live into the fullness of our universalist theology because of the cultural habits that come with white supremacy culture. And by white supremacy culture, which may sound jarring if it's a new phraseology for you, what I'm talking about is the culture of our country that is predicated on the idea that the ideas, beliefs, and actions of white people are superior to the ideas, beliefs, and actions of people of color. White supremacy culture is this idea that whiteness is somehow normal or the standard or that it's smarter or better. And it's a fact of living in the United States and it is alive in our churches and in our movement. And it hurts every single one of us. And so this morning, I'm not interested in calling us out. I'm interested in calling us in to sacred creativity, to realignment with our theological core, because aligning our actions and our values is central to the spiritual life. That's what we get together to do on Sundays. And Caitlin Breedlove's reading this morning reminds us that it is hard to be fertile when we're not grounded. It's hard to bring new life into the world, new ways of being, new community when we're not grounded. And so I just wanna ask, how does white supremacy culture keep us from grounding ourselves in the wide embrace and the freedom of our universalist heritage? There's perfectionism, harsh critique and unrealistically high expectations of ourselves and others. Perfectionism that keeps us from offering compassion and support to those who are taking big risks and working hard to create movements for justice. If we publicly shame people over social media instead of building relationships, if we don't make space for ourselves or anyone to make mistakes or to screw up, if we don't make space to be human, perfectionism keeps the oneness and the wholeness of universalism at bay. Perfectionism is in conflict with the theology that focuses on human goodness and potential and calls us to build each other up in love. There's busyness, a misdirected sense of urgency the dominant culture sees as a virtue. And this probably comes from a puritanical Calvinist notion that if we look like we're working hard and we're worthy of going to heaven, then maybe we'll discover that we're actually part of this teeny tiny group of elect people that that Calvinist God selected to go to heaven. But we are actually the movement of people that people flocked to in order to get away from that idea. We are the no hell and no one is left out people. And our reading this morning reminds us about busyness, that if we drain ourselves as leaders, we don't have what it takes. 
And if we drain other leaders of their time and energy on busy work, we shouldn't be surprised when they don't have the power to create. If we never create a space to slow down and grow our connections with each other and let the spirit move, we're gonna keep perpetuating the same systems of oppression that generate these false separations. And the third and final characteristic I wanna to touch on this morning is a characteristic of white supremacy culture to touch on, is this belief that we have a right to feeling comfortable. Friends, we come as universalists from circuit-riding preachers who went out into the highways and byways to preach radical inclusion. This is the ultimate religious cold call. It is not comfortable. And it's us. Maintaining comfort is anathema to creativity, which means that maintaining comfort is not in alignment with growing our souls. If we refuse to be confused, uncomfortable, disoriented in our spiritual journey, we can't expand the circle of our family. Yet again, our universalist theology gets blocked. The reality is, when we participate in the practices of white supremacy culture, we're reproducing a pattern that constricts sacred creativity, perpetuates structural racism, separates us from each other, and impoverishes the spirit. So are we going to accept the invitation of our universalist theology? Because it's right there. And if we do, we are going to have some amazing, this is actually happening in our actual life, moments together. It won't be perfect, it won't be quick, it won't be comfortable, but if we keep making the right choices, if we keep accepting the gifts of our ancestors, new life is possible. First Universalist, I love you and I love us. Together, may we widen the circle of our beautiful family, grounded in the gifts of our history, clear-eyed about its burdens and responsibilities that come with it, willing to be transformed and open to new life. May it be so, and amen.